from the smallest room in New York City. He hit the orangutan in the head, and the thing killed over dead. Comes a show that gives you a reason to live. 95-year-old woman dead, along with her son, found in their New York City apartment over the weekend. Law enforcement sources told the New York Post that William Weedell had been using Febreze to cover up the smell of his mother Agnes's body. Now, Febreze has not jumped on this for uh, some sort of a uh, commercial opportunity, you know, like a, a promotional. I mean, like this is, Febreze will cover up the smell of your dead mother Agnes, you know. Uh, no. <laughs> does it make you want. Well, wait, wait, Febreze, I thought, wait, that's for cleaning like clothing and stuff, isn't yeah, it? For, Febreze is an odor killer, but. You freshen up the. It's also, it's also a carcinogenic. It's, it's, there's a lot of warnings with Febreze. Oh, maybe that's what killed her. It could be. Could I guess be, he didn't use it till she was dead. Once, I mean, she's fucking ninety-five for Christ's sake. Once you start decomposing, there's really not too much that I know of that will uh, cover that one up. I believe a mom de- was dead before the son, which makes sense. Uh, he'd been dead for two days. A wellness check was what it was. Which really, a wellness check is like when you when you were. Did you go on wellness checks? With yeah, it? we did. And when you did that, did you figure like pretty good chance we're going to find some kind of bloated corpse? Well, it depends. Sometimes you go on a wellness check, and as you get closer to the floor where you're going, especially in a lot of the old walk-ups on the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. you can start getting that pungent uh, aroma. Uh, right. A certain smell. And the closer you got, the more you say to yourself, fuck. Until you go in and you just got your face pressed against this corpse going like, that. that's it. Yeah, he did. Uh, well... I mean, like, when you know from that far away, like, you know, an, an example of that would be uh, Mr. Talented, you know, the uh, weirdest suicide in New York City history, potentially. He was wearing a space suit when he did it, which makes it a little bit weirder. That That's really more the cherry on top that I should have added. He uh, was in the basement or sub-basement, whichever, uh, the elevator shaft. He tied himself to the bottom of the elevator car so that he would be hanged the next time somebody called the elevator up. It wasn't his building, by the way, just some building yeah. where he could Actually, do that. it's quite rude. Uh, I mean, because by the time they figure it out, um, spacesuit or not, you are going to get pretty ripe. Um, well, that's if your head doesn't pop off. Which you'd still get ripe. Oh, I mean, if your head popped off, it's still going to kill you. Oh, yeah. And you'll get ripe, yeah. We, we had a guy do a homicide many years ago in, in Midtown North in the old Fulton Hotel. Um, it was like a hookup kind of deal. and Hot sheets. This guy brings the guy back to his apartment, and the visitor winds up killing him. Um, so now he's got a problem on his hands. How do you get rid of a body in the middle of Midtown? So Wait, the visitor killed him? Yes. yes. Well, it, why wouldn't you just leave? Why do you have to get rid of the body? Well, it's not your place. Yeah, but he in wasn't his place. really thinking with a clear head because oh. then he decided he was going to move in. <laughs> so <laughs> that's maybe that's probably why he killed yeah, the person. But, yeah, this so, couple of gays. Yes, yes. So what he did was he put him under the platform bed and thought it would be a good idea to cover the guy with Clorox, like that would kill the odor. Once he started stinking the place up, hmm. well, in a hot old, shitty, crappy, run-down hotel. There's no air conditioning. Hot and, uh, You start cooking for a couple of days, and this brain surgeon thinks it's a good idea to pour Clorox on the body. Yeah. Yeah, and by the time 
yeah, yeah. It just starts to smell like... Uh, it was unbelievable. It was absolutely incredible. So even bleached will not cover the smell of a body? Well, bleach will enhance it. Oh, it carries it through the air more, you mean? Well, yeah. Now you're really causing that body to cook up uh, by oh, pouring bleach on it. Oh, right. It starts to fry the... Uh, Basically, it was a, a chemical... Yeah. Chemical burning, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one. We went over there, and it, it turned into a situation where somebody started pointing like ah, that guy there, and you know he was. We wrapped it up pretty quick. That guy there. Yeah, he was pointing to the other, the visitor. Mm. So he was ready to. Uh, who, who was pointing at him? Uh, one of the uh, people that worked in the hotel. Oh, he's like, like yeah, that's yeah, the guy that's, that's staying in the room. Just. You know, handle it. Yeah, you guys do what you got to do. And normally, they might not really be uh, as forthcoming. You mean they just like, well, I'll yeah, let them handle well, it. You know, but in this case, they're like, yeah, just fucking get it. Yeah, that guy kind of like upset the whole apple cart though in the hotel there with the rancid stinker. We had a, we had another lady. I'd say the housekeeping. I mean, you know, they're it is a housekeeping great, issue, but this yeah. is not the kind of place where they come in every day and change the sheets either. Uh, it's a hot sheets. Motel. It's a dirty sheets hotel. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a bed we, bugs and whatnot. We had one on the Upper East Side, 30-story building that literally reeked from top to bottom with DOA once we opened that door. Isn't that amazing? Death happens all the time. I've never smelled a dead body that I'm aware of. I, it's well, possible it, I could have smelled one and not known it. You may have. and uh, But the thing that was screwy was this guy's mother, who was probably about 95 and advanced dementia sitting on the couch. Meanwhile, her son is inside a steamer trunk in the bedroom. I thought she was the DOA when I got there. And they said, no, 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 no. (laughs) Silly man. (laughs) We got to jump on it. Well, but there was no foul play in that. You determined, right? She just was. No, there was no foul play. It was more a fraud deal. And she was. So improper disposal of a body, I know, is was until a a few years ago, I think, a misdemeanor. Yes. And then they finally changed that because of, uh, I don't know why. Yeah. By the time we were done with this lady, we just wanted her out of our station house, away from us, and never wanted to see her again. She was one of the most frustrating people I've ever dealt with. Wow. Imagine how her dead husband felt. Yeah, he was none too happy about it either. This guy was in uh, a few movies. Um, he's an actor, the 64-year-old guy who was found in a luxury New York City apartment along with his 95-year-old mother, Agnes. He was an actor who landed a small role in Woody Allen's 1989 film, Crimes and Misdemeanors, speaking of crime. And uh, he was saw it, and I can't remember it. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I did see I, it. I, I saw I, it in the movies. I saw it, and then uh, I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying yeah, it. It was, it was. I remember it was a decent. It was movie. one of them that I didn't mind. Do you ever hear a stand up? He had great stand up. No, I never saw that. No, he. he I, I used to listen to him back when I was first starting to do stand up, and he's a great example for young comics in terms of writing jokes. That are that hit and and, and editing, and uh, and and also telling a story that's made of a bunch of jokes. So if you do stand up, listen to some Woody Allen, see if it inspires you. One of his best jokes, he said he used it when he needed to check the time, right? So he had a watch that he'd pull out, you know, and check it, and he'd say, "This watch." He goes, uh, "My grandfather on his deathbed sold me this watch." <laughs> 
Woody's a strange bird. And, yeah. yeah, it's funny. My brother, Jack the Hoople, mm-hmm. um, is a grip. He works in the movie unions, and you know, they build stuff. And they did uh, Brighton Beach Memories, I think was Memoirs. The name. Memoirs, yeah, whatever. Brighton Beach Memoirs. And I do remember that one a little built bit. This gigantic set of a roller rink. Spent a ton of money. It was a couple hundred thousand dollars to build this set back in the 1980s. Mm. They work their ass off. They put this whole thing together. Woody Allen shows up and he goes, eh, kind of small, make it bigger, and leaves. Kind of small, make and it bigger. They, Oof, it's, says, you know, I asked my brother, what'd you do? He says, we ripped it down and we built a bigger one. Money was of no object to him when it came to making a film. Yeah, whatever you say, Woody. I, uh, I guess he's got a few bucks. Now, I looked into his whole thing with the, he supposedly molested Dylan, one of his kids. Dylan, I think it was Dylan. And I find I found it wholly unconvincing and that uh, it, it seemed to me that all it was was, uh, what's her name, uh, Mia Farrow, trying to create some problems for him because he stole Soon Yi from her. Well, that's a problem when you marry your stepdaughter. Um, it wasn't his stepdaughter, though. He didn't adopt her. He didn't? No. Just who? Mia Farrow adopted her? Yeah. And he was dating Mia, Mia Farrow. And on top of that, he wasn't a father figure to her. Oh, he, okay. He didn't fuck with her until, I mean, now it's not that much better, but he didn't fuck with her at all. He didn't even know her until she was like 16, 15, 16, maybe 17. Now he's a good, he's an old man and she's a teenager. I get it. Creepy, yeah, whatever. There's, there's no putting lipstick on this bitch. The heart wants what it wants and everything. So, but I mean, at least he didn't raise her. She didn't see him as any sort of father figure. And, and you know what? To top it all off, still married, married to this day. So who could say that? Not too many people. They've been married quite a long time. People think she's this dumb immigrant or something. She spoke several languages and, you know. No, I know she was highly educated. So, I mean, she it wasn't as if she uh, didn't know what the hell was going on. Now, he's what, like 143 years old now? and He's getting up there. She's uh, in the 140s, I think, yeah. He's been around a long she's time. She's 10. She's, she's 22. 22. <laughs> I'm not really sure. This guy, uh, like I said, uh, it could happen to you, starring Nicolas Cage, another movie he was in. Uh, he was identified by a 61-year-old sister, uh, Juliana Weedle. Uh, Juliana told the New York Post that uh, her mom and brother lived a very quiet, almost hermit-like life. Uh, that's, it sounds like it, doesn't it? it just, that seems about right. That, uh, I mean, it's a sad story. I mean, you know, they, you they know, died but, alone together. Yeah, but it, it's one of these things that, you know, okay, the natural progression is, okay, your mother passes away. And he's had it. I, I would probably say that the last thing your mother wants you to do is sit there with the body and take your own life. Um, yeah, just, with the Febreze. And, with the Febreze. With the Febreze and the thing you see, people. I think that... Uh, it's kind of got like a Norman Bates thing going there, you know? Right, you know? Let's hope he didn't... Nah, surely he didn't. I bet you he was there taking care of her, and that was the only thing keeping him alive. And he yeah. figured when she dies, I'm going to go. I don't think he was happy. Uh, Especially after that spectacular career. Hey, he's been in more movies than me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I quit show business. I don't have to measure myself against these kind of fucking people anymore. No, but you'll, you'll never have lunch in this town again. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. What, what do you, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go up to churches or Popeye's there. Uh, but 
Yeah. It says uh, investigators who found Agnes on their couch, William in a bed. She died at least a week before her son because she was starting to decompose. Authorities told the Post that uh, he's believed to have died two days before their bodies were discovered. So there was a good stink in there. You would say, if she's starting to decompose, that's some stink, right? That's some super stink. And... I uh, don't think the Febreze was going to cover it up. How, I mean, good good for you, Febreze, uh, for being mentioned. I it, it says here that she explained her mother's health had been declining for at least a month. She's 95. Her health's been declining a lot. <laughs> William's younger sister called the police for a wellness check due to the mother's poor health. My brother mentioned that her mother's health was declining before the uh, holidays. And uh, he said she wasn't eating uh, and sleeping more. Um so, hey, look, I think that uh, that's the deal, is that uh, he must have just been trying to keep her alive. That's the only thing I can figure. Now, uh, here's a little aside for listeners out there. Yes, look Every, up, everything for the listeners. Look up the Collier Brothers, C-O-L-L-I-E-R, who owned a Fifth Avenue mansion up in Harlem back in the 1930s, and they uh, were hoarders, and... One of the brothers died in the house, and the wow, brothers, dual hoarders, huh? The other brother stayed with him. Apparently, this guy was dead quite a while, and then that brother kind of disappeared. And when the cops finally got called to the house, they basically had to dig a tunnel through the garbage to get where the brothers were inside the house. Um, the place was so, so loaded with crap and newspapers. There was some interesting stuff in there also. They wound up ripping the building down eventually. That was about 1947. And if you go to Fifth Avenue and 100 and I want to say 129th Street, maybe 130th Street, Collier Park is there. That was the site of the old mansion. Were they, uh, they, were they fabulously wealthy? They were pretty wealthy, these guys. And, and, and uh, still hoarders. They lived in absolute filth in a rat-infested shithole of a mansion. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I see. I'm looking at photos of this now. My God. These look like some old Ouija photos a little bit. Probably all. That's what they remind me of. Ouija, the great New York City photographer of, the, of that era. Uh, My grandfather knew him. He knew Your grandfather knew Ouija? Oh, sure. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Did you ever, I mean, hear any, any well, inside you know, like, stuff or anything? I mean, well, I don't that, know that much about him. One of the sad things, you know, my, my grandfather passed away. I was uh, six years old, unfortunately. Um, I would have loved to have heard his stories. He was in the police department for 30-some-odd years. Um, and he had some stories. Uh, he was So people tipped off Ouija about stuff. Well, Ouija had his office across the street from the old police headquarters. They called it the shack, and um, there was an office there. All the reporters used to hang out in the shack, and these old-school New York City reporters, they would sit there, drink, smoke, gamble, and they would go out to jobs. I believed on that block, maybe near the old Javino gun store, I believe Ouija might have had an apartment in there. He had a car that he used. He had a little private, um, a, a little portable developing studio in the trunk of his car, and uh, Ouija was well hooked up with the cops back then. Uh, yeah. He was often at scenes long well, before anybody else. Yes. That was my understanding, too, that he was. That he, he he got the inside tips on, on you know, because I, I guess, you know. On the good stuff. They like you. They like you. 
and and I'm sure that he was uh, no, he didn't report at all. He was just a no, photographer. He was a photographer. And that's it. And uh, yeah, a true artist, a true artist of uh, you know who, who he created a, 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 I guess a style of noir like you know was black and white back then photography. I know the, the, great pictures. I have a a book of his actually that came kidding? out a few years ago. I wonder if you and I have that same book. Wouldn't that be great funny? book? It's rare, right? It's not too easy to find. Yeah, I don't. I, this was a, it was a gift to me, and uh, and likewise, it was a gift to me, and it's probably one of my favorite books. Yeah, I uh, I got a I I really got to uh, what well, how well, you mean you practically knew the guy you guys were practically paisan yeah sort of <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather knew Nat Sherman very well Nat, uh, Nat Sherman the cigarette guy cigarette cigar guy he used to have his own store on Forty Second and Fifth and uh, every year he used to send a crate of monogrammed. Not monogram. They actually had his name on it. Um, you would get your. He would make cigarettes with your name on the cigarette. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, my grandfather also died of emphysema. So I mean, you know, that can kill you. Years. Yeah, probably not a good thing. Fuck. Nat Sherman used to get himself into trouble uh, with some near duels and bad people. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about the New York of the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. You know. The gangster era and prohibition and all sorts of craziness going on. You know, prohibition was such a bad idea. And if they never would have let women get anywhere near the ballot, I don't think that shit would have ever occurred. They, all these temperance people, they should, should shut the fuck up. You guys mind your own fucking business. That's what they should have done. Well, they it was the cancel culture. The cancel culture of the last those were century. The, they were the cancel cunts of their day. <laughs> they were. They were terrible people. You know, it's funny about the dead bodies and decomposing, because uh, I saw this weird thing. It's, this is 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I'll never get back uh, watching it. I mean, I would never want to watch it again. This chimp, you know, and we've all seen this type of shit. The, the baby dies, and she keeps yeah. carrying it around. But they went... You got to know, you got to see the the baby chimp before it was two and a half years old. You got to see it when it was just sick. I can't watch stuff like that. It was I get really upset watching that. Oh, it was very upsetting, but it was just sick. And 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 the uh, the voiceover was haunting as well. And uh, she carried that goddamn thing around. I mean, until it was mummified. It was it was really nuts. How long? The body stayed part of the community. And here's another thing about chimps, since we're talking about New York City crime. Do you know there was a war, a chimp war, yes. 74 to 78? You knew about this and didn't tell I've me? I heard about that. They used to attack each other and horrible, horrible one shit. One group just came down and just started picking off the males. It was like four or five of them, picked all of them off, and then uh, killed a couple of the women, chased a couple off, kidnapped three of them. And they know all this. This is all like documented, this chimp war. Chimps are just really brutal, violent, vicious animals. I, I used to see, when I worked in Central Park, I would go into the zoo on occasion if I was assigned that foot post. Why not? And people used to wonder why the chimps had plexiglass in front of the cage. And uh, they'd be like, oh, sir. I said, you know why? I says, well, they, uh, there's three reasons. Number one, they spit. 
Number two, they fling shit everywhere. Uh huh. I feared that would be the third. And no, and number three, they jerk off a <laughs> oh, lot. And people are like, you're kidding me. I says, you stand here long enough and this chimp is going to snap his carrot and- And he's going to shoot it at people. Yes. He's oh, gonna, that's beautiful. He's going to let that splooge fly. If they can learn sign language, they're doing that shit on purpose. There's no question. You know what I mean? If they're smart enough to like figure out how to say, fucking, I miss my baby or whatever the fuck, they're going to be, they, then they know that they're doing. I mean, that one, Travis the chimp ripped that woman's face off in Connecticut. Well, that woman got fucked up. Okay. But you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be dressing your chimp in Why? pajamas. Why? Why? And letting him no, sleep next to you fine. in the bed. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, at, at the end of the day. Maybe you shouldn't get it hooked on pills. You shouldn't get hooked on pills. The baby. No, the, the fucking chimp was hooked on pills. Oh, I didn't know that. The chimp was on pills. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it needed, a, you know, it would build up a tolerance. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there was needed, booze. You know, quaaludes or something because. Uh, something a little more. Yeah. I think it was opiates, opioids of some sort. And, and you know, like, but, you know, come off of them and he would just fucking imagine a, a chimp in opioid withdrawal. Yeah. Well, you, these, uh, rip a remember, woman's face these, off. These are some incredibly powerful animals. It's like retard strength times 10, from what yes. I understand. That and was they, the way it was and put they to bite. me. They bite. Yeah, they'll bite. Their teeth are, are are sharp and long, and they have a lot of them. And yeah, they have a lot of bite power, and they go for the hands and the face and the groin. You know, they're really sophisticated hunters. They love to eat these, like, uh, red monkeys of some sort. And they would circle them. They get in a little, they, they surround them, climb up in the tree. They cut off all paths of escape, and they grab them. And the way they kill them is they fucking, they use gravity. They, they fucking beat them onto something hard. And that's how, that's I, how they kill them. They don't just. And then they'll rip off its leg and just hand it it's, to you. It's yeah. It's you know on the side. They're just uh, like us. We would be just like them if we were strong enough. There was a friend of mine. It was a police officer back in the 1970s. In the New York City area, we had a thing called Jungle Habitat over in New Jersey. Well, you get in your car. It was the precursor to the Great Adventure uh, amusement park. And one of the things was. The monkeys, the, the simian species, would get crazy when they would see cars with Landau roofs. Now, in the 1970s, Landau was everywhere. I don't know what like, that is. It was like a black, like you might have the metal of the car, and then it would have like a black overlay on it. and Like a vinyl top? A vinyl top. It was like a rich Corinthian leather situation. But uh, that said, he had a Porsche Targa, which had a black plastic top on top of it. He drove into jungle habitat with his wife, who was pregnant, and the orangutans, well, came out of the trees, and one of them started trying to pull the top off the car. Why did they? Why did they freak out over this? Well, things? because it was like that vinyl top kind of thing. It was a pla- Porsche Targa had like a. It was only made for a couple of years. It was a rather weird looking Porsche. But uh, he popped the clutch. Wait, wait, what? A Porsche what? Targer. T-A-R-G-A. Targa. Okay. And he popped the clutch and bounced the orangutan off the car. <laughs> the orangutan jumped on his hood and proceeded to rip his windshield wipers off the car and started beating on the car. Wow. And at which point... <laughs> In a mob, uh, I don't. I, should, I shouldn't say his name. And this sounds like some antifa type behavior, though. Well, my buddy, he uh, tough guy. He took his tire iron out from underneath the seat, and the 
chimp was trying to get its hand in the car. So he whacked the orangutan's hand with the tire iron, and that really pissed it off. Oh, yeah. And now proceeded to start wrecking his car. And this isn't really the way you're supposed to enjoy this attraction, I'm guessing. No, right no. Uh, while the people in the cars in back of him were certainly enjoying it, um, there <sighs> were two employees of Jungle Habitat were sitting in their truck watching this laughing. At which point, Different times. my buddy, in fear of his life, stepped out of the car and beat this to death <laughs> one time at the orangutan. Oh, it's an orangutan. Orangutan. Oh, my God. It's a lot bigger than a chimp. Yes. He hit the orangutan in the head, and the thing keeled over dead. At which point, there was like an orangutan. Poor Clyde. Yeah. Well, there was a, like, an, when the police need help, they call it 1013. Well, there was an orangutan 1013. They came flying out of the trees. Holy shit. Proceeded to wreck his car with him in it. The Porsche tire. Finally, the... Were you in the car? No, 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 no. For no, some no. reason, I had the idea. The, finally, there. the people from Jungle Habitat, they call for backup. They got the orangutans. They got the car out of there. He was going to be arrested. The, the, they were actually talking about locking him up. You cannot murder a, an orangutan on a, some kind of safari attraction. You're not supposed this. to. It's frowned upon. Uh, um, I mean, even if you got a nice port, like this orangutan was fucking up my Porsche. Yeah. Why didn't he just drive away? Well, at first he was trying to, except this thing was on his car, beating the shit out of his car. His car was wrecked by the time he left there. He yeah. did not place him under arrest. His, wow. his wife was pregnant, and he was like, he says, are you kidding me? He says, this thing is wrecking my car, and your guy sat here watching it. Yeah. He wound up, you know, getting out of it. Which just, is, just by being, just sheer indignance. Yeah, yeah, because these guys did, and there were plenty of witnesses that said, like, yeah, these guys sat there and watched it. Yeah, they thought it was hilarious. Those guys probably went on to greater heights over at uh, Action Park. Rideland. <laughs> Action Park, well, the lawsuit park. That killed a half dozen. Action Park was a place in New Jersey in the 70s. Hmm. It had some of the most treacherous, you know, uh, people would drown in their wave pool and break their <laughs> necks. And You already know that Action Park has the most innovative and exciting rides. The Alpine Slide, Grand Prix race cars, and spectacular water rides. What's it called again? Action Park. Action Park. Yeah. Class Action Park. Is that many people suited? They used to advertise heavily in New York yeah. City. Yeah. Feel the thrill as you zoom through the black holes. Spin and splash on our bumper boats. While the kids play in our fun-filled kiddie area, cool off in our huge swimming pool, or race around the Grand Prix track. Get, get, on any of our action-packed rides. It's awesome. Come to Action Park and, you know. Take your chances. <laughs> a lot of people got hurt there. A lot of people died there. The majority of those employees were teenagers and were not equipped to handle the rowdy guests of the park. So on any given day, you could have an overcrowded water park filled with drunk teenagers that couldn't swim, riding shoddily built attractions supervised by teenagers that may or may not be able to communicate with them. It is no wonder what happened next. You talk about roller coasters that are defective and people would spill nah, out of them. It wasn't them even stuff. really stuff like that. It was like they had like these uh, bobsled rides that you would go flying down at 100 miles an hour and go flying off the track. On July 8th, 1980, a male employee was riding the Alpine slide when his cart went off the track. He hit his head on a rock during the crash, killing him. He was oh, only 19. Yeah. So stuff where this they, legit they can go water wrong. Water slides, except they were like 90 feet up. Um, Two years later, on July 24th, 1982, a 15-year-old guest was overcome by the waves of the tidal wave pool and drowned. 
On August 1st, a mere week later, a 27-year-old guest was riding the kayak experience when he was trying to re-enter his kayak after falling out. When doing this, he made contact with the live wiring that powered the underwater fans. The electrocution sent him into cardiac arrest, and he passed after being rushed to the hospital. Two years later, in 1984, a guest died on the Tarzan swing after a heart attack, supposedly due to the unexpected shock from the cold water. That same year, on August 27th, a 20-year-old drowned in the tidal wave pool, and on July 19, 1987, another guest drowned there, giving it the nickname The Grave Pool. These deaths are tragic, and often overshadowed by the lunacy and legacy of Action Park. Interestingly enough, Action Park was able to avoid many lawsuits with these deaths and many other injuries, due in part to its reputation, and also the lax regulations New Jersey had for amusement and water parks. Great American Recreation was even able to expand the Action Park brand to other parts of the country, opening Pocono Action Park in Tannersville, Pennsylvania in 1980, and Action Mountain in Pine Hill, New Jersey in 1984. You know, like some really insane stuff. Yeah, I've looked at some water slides on, on, I don't know, some YouTube shits. I got a ton of videos of people going down water slides. Some of these things are spectacular. I mean, like lights, yeah. all kinds of shit going on. And then there's some that are just real high. And, and you know, there was a kid who got decapitated going back a few years on one of those. Yeah, I'm sure that went over well. They decided to close the ride down after that. Yeah, it went over real well. In Kansas, a 10-year-old boy lost his life after he was decapitated on the world's tallest water slide at Schlitterbahn Water Park. The ride, known as Verrecht, features a 168-foot drop that shoots you up a rise on the slide, which then descends another 50 feet into a pool. Test runs revealed that the raft would come to a complete stop as it traveled up the slide, so water jets were put in to help the raft maintain speed. However, this caused another problem as the combined speed of the 17-story drop in the water jets caused the front of the raft to lift into the air. A weight requirement of 400 to 550 pounds was put on the ride to keep the raft from going airborne. On August 7, 2016, 10-year-old Caleb Schwab was planning to ride the Verrett water slide with his 12-year-old brother Nathan, but due to the ride's weight requirement, the two were separated once they reached the front of the line. Nathan went first and waited for his little brother at the end of the ride. Caleb was seated with two adult women, and according to some witnesses, their combined weight did not reach the 400-pound requirement. At some point after the initial 168-foot drop, Caleb was thrown from the raft and struck one of the metal rings supporting the ride's safety netting at speeds close to 70 miles per hour. Reports say the 10-year-old sustained a fatal injury to the neck and was decapitated. 12-year-old Nathan witnessed the incident and began screaming hysterically. Witness Leslie Castaneda told KMBC, The little boy said to a worker, Caleb's body was found in the pool at the end of the ride after tumbling down the remaining 50 feet of the slide. I just saw my little brother die because of one of your attractions. Since the day he was born, he brought abundant joy to our family and all those he came in contact with. The two women that were in the raft with Caleb received minor injuries to their faces. The park announced that the ride was now closed and scheduled for demolition. I think he was he was actually the son of a state senator. They were having some special day where they all got to go out and, and be there. And he was on there with a couple of other relatives. And uh, Yeah, you, you know, know, New York City at one time, you had little amusement parks everywhere. What was the one that you were talking about out by the airport? Adventurers Inn. Adventurers Inn. Adventurers Inn was one. right next to Flushing Airport. We had one called Fairyland on Queens Boulevard. Uh, right by my house, and uh, I, Fairyland, Fairyland. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it was pretty, looking back on uh, it now, I mean, who did that attract? <laughs> um, so not a good place to necessarily take a date. You know, you always wanted to go there. It was right next to a place called Food Parade, which is a huge supermarket at the time. It's now the whole area is now the Queen Center Mall. Well, the point is the the Porsche Targa was made a number of years. I'm looking at the 2021 Porsche Targa. Really? Yeah, oh. they brought it back. I guess uh, it's a, like uh, similar to a 911. Yeah, it was it was kind of ugly though. Yeah, it looks ones. like it's type of 911. Very square and boxy back in the. That's funny because it's rounded off big time. I, then maybe I might have, you know. In, in, well, the newer ones, I'm, I'm sure that the. You I'm know, talking the 1970s model. Yeah, they completely ugly, changed it. Ugly ass kind of car. Wow, that is, some of the. Porsche, man, there's a lot of different kind of cars. We have to tell a crime story before. They made it's pretty too good late. tanks, too, in the World War II, you know. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. You know who made good suits in, in, in uh, World War II? Hugo Boss. <laughs> They had a whole army decked out in that shit. Can you imagine? That's the best dressed army ever. A Harlem mom was fatally shot after she and her fiance confronted a man who had just groped her on the street. That's uh, according to police on Monday. They, uh, they, uh, as they pressed their search for the gunman, that's uh, Shadina Smith fatally shot. She had left her apartment on West 150th Street near Frederick Douglass Boulevard. That's Harlem. Around 12.30 p.m., right in the middle of the day, day broadly. she rushed back to tell her boyfriend that a man had grabbed her. The 26-year-old fiancé and Smith went outside and confronted the groper, sparking an argument that led to gunfire. And they, I mean, you figure you grope the woman, you, you just leave. Go ahead and leave. Why are you hanging out for? Why you got to shoot this woman, you know? Yeah, and you know Why what? you got to shoot her? Instead of handling it yourself, call the cops. Let them deal with it. They deal with gropers on a daily basis. That kind of, the uh, couple was caught in a hail of bullets inside the first floor hallway of their apartment building. My goodness. Caught in a hail of bullets inside the first floor hallway. They must have been trying to run away, I suppose. Since they'd gone out to confront them, there'd been an argument, and now they were back in the hallway. Does that sound, sound about right? He, well, the fiancé was hit in the chest and left arm. Smith was struck several times in the chest. So after they got shot, maybe they tried to run that way. I don't know. Because you can't get shot in the chest if you're running away. No. This is, this is the stupidest this. murder of the week. It, this, yeah, it, it's a senseless murder. It's a sense, it, it's, you know, I can understand their indignity and their outrage over being groped. I get it, okay? People should keep their hands to themselves. Um, but to go out... Especially, we, we've addressed this situation numerous times. Everybody's carrying guns again. Nobody's throw, interested in throwing up fist. They're going to throw bullets, and that's that. Yeah, don't, when you're coming out to settle scores and all that stuff, man. If you, the thing is, you have a certain pride, I'm sure, as that guy. She might have been chasing after him going, don't fuck with it. Just, you know, whatever. Yeah, then she shouldn't have said nothing. I mean, if you know this guy's going to fly off the handle. Yeah, you know. tell him after the guy's gone. But then again, it starts to look like you liked it then if you don't tell him. You know what I mean? When the guy finds out about it later, like, how come you didn't tell me this guy's been working? Well, then you got to kill her. I know you're going to get pissed off and go outside and look to kill this guy, and he's going to shoot you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never been one for like, women predicting but what I was going to do. More than just and, great and acting on that. They love to do it. Same with motives. They, love, they know your motives, and they know your future actions. Women are geniuses. I'm telling you. The woman I'm with now, I love. I'll never give her up. That's great. 
Seriously, uh, but uh, detectives found shell casings outside the building, leading them to believe the gunman fired from outside the building. He has not been caught. It's been a horrific nightmare situation, said the woman's aunt, Corinne Booker. She's 33 of Virginia. Booker's 52-year-old brother is Smith's father. What? Okay, that sounds about right. And the two women uh, grew uh, close in part because they were so close in age. Yeah, sometimes you have that aunt or niece who's very close to you in age yes. because of... I think all my nieces and and, and uh, nephews and whatnot are in their fucking forties now. It was closed. It's been a horrific nightmare situation. She leaves behind one and a half year old son, uh, Uriel. Uh, she was very invested in her son and in his future. Of course she was. Well, I hate that you won't be able to know how wonderful and how resilient she was. She did not pounce. We just want to make sure we give them all of that love. She also described her niece as a blazing light. Can, can you guess the publication I'm reading from? I mean, can you? <laughs> hmm. These details are never in the other one. Hmm. It's a tabloid publication that is not the New York Post. Yeah. And they, that's, they love eulogizing people. They love it. Yeah. Well, anyone, a victim, a fucking, uh, someone who deserved to be a victim. Uh, how about another crime story so we can get them in? A man wanted for assault jumped into the frigid waters of the East River in downtown Manhattan in a fruitless attempt to escape cops. Uh, the man, uh, his name hasn't been released. He jumped into the 40-degree waters off the South Street Pier, Pier 35, about 2 p.m. Uh, we were just standing here and watching. We saw, we saw a whole bunch of cops. We didn't think too much of it until we saw the guy jump in the water, said a shocked uh, sanitation worker. That guy dove. Like, literally jumped on the rail and dove in, said the worker, who didn't give his name. I guess that's what he thought his last resort was, to jump into the river. Seems as if you're taking a much bigger chance with the river than yeah, you would be with the arrest. You're going to get out in an hour. I've dealt with this a couple of times. You're kidding. Yeah, with people being chased. We have one guy in the 19th jumped in the river. I mean, if it was zero degrees out, that was a lot. It had been really cold, and... uh he jumped in, and I don't know what he was thinking, and bang, he went right down. He just just solid like a rock, huh? Yeah. Uh, did you guys save him? Was he, Did you jump in after him? I didn't find him until five months later. At oh. the time, they were doing- uh, What happened? Did he freeze on the way down? And oh, I think he froze. Out, like, as, as soon as he hit the water, he went into shock, and uh, uh, you know, uh, the cops are like, don't, don't jump, and he just ran up and- jumped right in and uh we found him he was stuck under one of the pylons when they were rebuilding the fdr they found him five months later uh, well parts of him he mm. was didn't find all of them he's pretty well preserved in that cold water yeah but uh that's not a way to go what kind of wild wildlife it's not there? even so much the wild you gotta remember he was under these floating pylons that were being used at the time where they were rerouting the road over the actually over the water. So his body's just getting chewed up. Yeah, there was a lot of heavy machinery and barges being moved around. Two years before that, in the summertime, the cops uptown were chasing a guy, and the guy jumped in the water, I guess up around 115th Street, and we were flying up the FDR Drive, and we heard the chase come over, and he got... I'd say about halfway between here and the Roosevelt Island, the northern tip of Roosevelt Island, oh. and 
that water, people don't realize it. That's some of the fastest moving water in the United States is the East River, especially south of Hell's Gate. Uh, and it starts to just, he started to drift downward, huh? Downtown. Um, I think he got halfway out when he got scared and he started to come back. And at this point, he sh- might have had a better shot if he had kept going. Um, if that he- is a tough decision right there. Yeah, and he disappeared right in front of. Oh, man. He just got tired, huh? Yeah. You're so he was swimming me. upstream. I'm going to tell you something. Fucking Johnny Weissmuller would have a hard time swimming in that river. It doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, the guy was in Tarzan movies back in the 1930s. He oh, was an right, Olympic. Him. He was an Olympic swimmer. I'm dating myself here. Well, you weren't watching television. Okay, in the let me 30s date myself thing. again. <laughs> Mark <laughs> <were not> Spitz, <laughs> all right? Uh, Eric Luganis. <laughs> uh, he was a diver. Oh, yeah. How about that? Yeah. No, the, the weed head guy. Who's the weed head guy? Yeah, him. So uh, Phelps. Yeah, Phelps. Michael Phelps. Uh, members of the NYPD Harbor Unit pulled him out of the water, and they put him in handcuffs. I thought he was going to die. Sanitation workers. He's lucky to be alive. First thing I said to my partner, he said uh, that he was going to get hypothermia and die. The police took him into custody. He's taken to Bellevue for medical treatment. How come they don't give his name? They arrested him. I mean, it seems like they've, a guy they arrest, they give his name. I guess if he's a mental case, they don't want to. But it's Bellevue Hospital for medical treatment, so it's not like psychiatric evaluation or anything. He's not that crazy. He just wanted to get away. More details on the assault he was wanted for were not immediately available. I guess the story is about him jumping and not about the assault. No, nobody cares. It's not even legal to just jump in the water anyway, is it? I mean, you can't swim in that shit. That's against the law from go, isn't it? I'm sure there's some kind of prohibition against it. You got to remember back in back in the day when you had piers all over the place and residential neighborhoods went up to the waterline, people used to swim in that fairly regularly. Kids would swim in it, but you had to know, you know, where you're swimming and when you're swimming. Lifeguard not on duty. Lifeguard is never on duty around Manhattan. And... Um, you know, these people make some incredibly bad decisions, especially jumping in there at night. Oh, I would imagine so. I would imagine a lot of people would, would be drowning. I almost drowned. It's uh, drowning in fresh water. supposed to be pretty pleasant, but you go into convulsions with salt water. You ever heard yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Once you start ingesting a lot. Mm. You know, I'm like a Chief Brody kind of guy. Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that stands on the beach and says, eh, as far as I go. Yeah. One man in Amity. He can make a difference. That's my favorite movie all time, Jaws. That's some bad hat, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) A gang of armed crooks caught on video running wild during a robbery at the Chanel Boutique in Soho. Well, they're part of a prolific grab-and-go crew. Wanted for raiding up to 20 other high-end stores. I I wanted to say smash and grab right there, but grab and go is different from smash and grab. Correct. Yeah, these these crews pop up from time to time. Some of them are late-night crews that will do smash and grabs. Mm -hmm. They're actually fairly sophisticated. Um, They use radios and police scanners, and um, they tend to pop up, and a lot of times they know exactly what they're looking for. It's not just a random... A random hit. Right. Uh, they're, they're filling orders. Like when they go to, say, uh, Dwayne Reed. And they, exactly. they, they're they there for the for certain the medicines lotions and, and body lotions. The body wash seems to be a big one right body now. Body wash, huh? We were talking about that the other day. I never okay. even heard of body wash. I, you know, like, I, I'm not a... When did that shit start? Body wash. I don't know. But you're talking to a guy who likes to sit in the bathtub. So. I like a bar of soap. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. A fucking, but, remember Irish Spring commercials? They, they got, there'd be some guy in a fucking uh, pea coat, you know, and he would cut off a sliver of that uh, soap. And I'm like, man, I want to cut the soap. But it's dainty enough for a woman, too. <laughs> well, this boisterous, ba- uh, this boisterous band was caught on surveillance and cell phone video in Spring Street Chanel Boutique. They love that neighborhood. Oh, well, they love yeah. that. That's good. Expensive there, yeah. Well, that's the stores that have reopened. Um, you know, good God, man! To be in business in New York City today, you got to be out of your fucking mind. That place got wrecked during the riots. I mean, that was the night I told you we turned down the street, and there to be four or five hundred people on one block. And you just said, "Fuck it." Uh, he says, "Yeah, we're gonna keep going. Here. Keep driving, man. Yeah, of course. What are you gonna do? You get into that feeding frenzy mentality, well, right? Uh, that was a little. They were. That was." Like these crews really took advantage of all the rioting and then the mayhem going on. Yeah, cars parked on the sidewalk, panel trucks, and they were just like like a pack of piranhas, just ripping everything. Well, they took advantage of it. They created it. They were they were well, they, yeah. You know, I mean, that's what they were there to do. But what was the deal with the fireworks over the summer? You know, I don't know. I would have to say. I mean, you know, you and I discuss conspiracy theories. I actually think it was a conspiracy just to drive people crazy. Yeah, to be a I've big fuck you. Heard. You can't do fireworks. We can, and we do them all the time. You know what? Every night. Rudy Giuliani is the guy to crack down on fireworks in New York City back in the 90s. <laughs> and it would be crazy like a couple of days before 4th of July. Yeah. That was just like a, this summer was like a prolonged assault of fireworks. Every night. Every night. For, it all, seemed like a couple of weeks. All over the city. Yeah. You know. Weird. And that stuff is not cheap. Yeah, which means it came from George Soros. Uh, but all those, uh, a bunch of cars, you know, people who were tired of that shit, they went to Gracie Mansion and honked their horns in front of Gracie Mansion. Great. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but then Eric Adams told everybody at a press conference, go out and tell you these people to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And the lady took his advice and went out and told the guy down the street, stop shooting off fireworks, and he promptly shot her in the head. According to the story, she just even said, hey, would you mind moving it down the street a little bit? My kid's trying to sleep. No, Guess gonna, what? Yeah, I'm going to shoot you dead. I'd rather just shoot you. And keep lighting off my fireworks. See, now that makes these these grab-and-go uh, squads look like uh, real, you know, gentlemen. They got 32 handbags and 12 wallets. One of them flashed the butt of a pistol, scaring off an armed security guard. An armed security guard doesn't want to use his firearm ever. You know, you go into these stores. I'm sure some of these guys may be retired police officers I would or think. enforcement. Yeah. Because they do carry firearms. When you got 10 or 15 people there... You're not fighting them all. Um, you're going to get hurt. You'll wind up getting killed. Yeah. Um, they, to me, it's it's not even worth it. I don't care what they pay. It's not worth it. Because especially, even if they grab these people, there's not going to be any consequence to their action. And it's not as if uh, the store is going to back you up and go like, no. yes, good job. They're going to go like, we do not support that. In fact, BLM, here's our, here's our you know, a, a huge donation. Right, I mean, they they're going to do anything they can to ingratiate themselves to the people that aren't going to ruin them, and and then and fuck this guy who was defending your business, uh, Rodney Harrison, who was the chief of detectives. He says that this is uh, it's the group's responsible for more robberies as part of a larger emerging pattern of behavior that we've seen we've seen since the riots in the beginning of the summer. Speaking of, well, that's an understatement. The NYPD has a lot of resources investigating these cases resources and they do these things usually wind up becoming uh get assigned to the major case squad um you're talking about a substantial loss in 
property. Well, and, yeah, I mean, 32 handbags of, of that, uh, you know, particular uh, type are going to be, I mean, they're thousands of dollars. Yeah, that could be $100,000, no sweat. Wow, we that's guys a lot. used to do used to, like late, like the smashing grabs late at night. These guys go through that window, and everybody whip out garbage bags. You rake them off. Everybody goes in different directions, right? And they just, I, like I said, like the locusts going through a field, and their coats, handbags, you name it, and they're gone. We're talking two minutes, three minutes tops. I've got video of a smash and grab robbery that I always enjoy watching. I don't know. I'll, I, maybe I'll put that on crimereport.nyc on the website just so people can see what I'm talking about. I think I set it to music and everything. That's what, what amused me about it. It's it's interesting to see, you know, the way they come in. And, and it's a it's one of those they describe as brazen, you know, a brazen Upper East Side smash and grab broad daylight, you know, all that stuff. And really fun. But, really know, this, fun. The watches is, is what they were after. But this is the stuff that amps up the fear level in New York City. Smashing and, grabs? Grabbing yeah, goes? This, well, this kind of behavior. Like, things are out of control. When you got a bunch of people doing stuff together, it is kind of eerie. Yeah, they don't give a shit. I mean, you have organized crews. You get... Sometimes you just get, you get these... You'll get crews of young kids that'll just run into these stores and loot whatever they want. But, you know, right. this leads to the feeling that we had back here in the 70s and the 80s. The crime was out of control. You weren't safe. Your business weren't wasn't safe. Yeah. You know, it's just one more thing to add to the stress level of living in New York City. Which, you know, Jesus Christ. I think the stress level was higher in New York City prior to COVID. Because, you know, if you're here trying to make it and do stuff, well, there's always more to do. Now there's nothing. You know, there's nothing Low to do. Low stress. But... but no, I mean, no comedy clubs to be no, trying to no. get back into. And no, like, you, you can't know. go to a movie. You can't go to a restaurant. It, it just sucks. Well, all that, yeah. But you know what? I don't think I've ever... I think I've been to the movies here a couple of times. I don't think I've been... To, I think maybe the last movie I saw was maybe The Avengers. Oh, right. I, I can't see that comic book shit. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. These I crooks, mean, the movie was good. But the I'm crooks are, are linked to a larger street crew, and they've hit boutiques, including, uh, the I guess, uh, Montclair clothing store on Madison. And on the Upper East Side, Tom Brown on Hudson Street in Tribeca. They love Tribeca. And COS, yeah, which is down the block from the Chanel Boutique. The thing about a group, big group like this is it's like it's so fast. It's so, uh, you know, uh, overpowering and shit that like it's probably really, I mean, you have to show up with a bunch of guys. A lot of these guys are going to get away, right? Yeah, I mean, they it's get like, away. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really gonna, a, tough it's, to defend. It's gonna, even if you get a plate number off a car and you start, you know, you, you, you don't want to get into a chase over this stuff. It's not worth it. Monetary range is, uh, the value of range is quite big. Uh, they go snatch and grab when the stores are closed. After boosting the loot, the, crew's, uh, the crew sells the swollen, stolen, the swollen stag <laughs> on various social media sites. Interesting. Which I wonder, we, does any of this stuff make its way down to, uh, it wouldn't go down to Chinatown because they're selling fake shit down there, right? Yeah, nah, these guys are selling this stuff over the internet. We got to talk about Chinatown, though. Now, Chinatown, as it turns out, this was a group of people, uh, we talked about this beating. The de-pantsing incident. Yes. <laughs> De-shoesing and de-underwearsing as well. Uh, the guy ended up completely naked from the waist down, and he had, apparently, according to the family, it was that's who was there beating him, you know. Uh, it was there was the guy had rode up, had ridden up rather on a bus with uh, a family member of theirs, and they this this guy 
stole their family member's stuff, phone, and some expensive clothes. And I said, and this guy told this guy, if the, if the cops are here, when we get there, I'm going to kill your whole family. I've got your ID. I know I'll be able to find them. I'll kill your whole family, which is saying a lot over getting arrested for some theft. Anyway, the guy, he, the guy got a hold in touch with his family by borrowing a cell phone from somebody. The family showed up. And they just, uh, they considered it street justice. And it's kind of written up that way as a street justice incident. As a police officer, I just have to figure you're not too keen on people taking the law into their own hands. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And, uh, you know, especially when you, at the end of the day, all right, did he steal property? You make threats? Yeah, okay, got it. Do you beat the man half to death? Uh, Some people might view that as a, a little bit excessive. Oh. Does he deserve a beating? Yeah, he probably deserves to have his ass kicked. That's just the one he got caught doing. Um, but, you know, what, what makes me wonder, what was going on on this bus ride? How long were they on a bus? How long, I mean... Those From Atlanta buses, to New York. Those buses make stops. I mean, did you ever think maybe you get off the bus and call the police or, you know... Well, we don't know at what point he made this... Uh, st- I mean, he might not have done it early he in the trip. He might have done it in Hoboken. Who knows? Might have. Yeah, so uh, maybe he didn't have all that much time to, uh, but the guy was able to make that phone call, and without that, none of this would have And get call occurred. loads of people there. I'm actually impressed. I, I am, too, because if I had friends that would show up and beat the shit out of somebody on my fucking call, I, I'm, I can't say that I wouldn't abuse that privilege. I think I, it's sort of like I always tell people, you know, like they would do these bringer shows, you know, and people sometimes be like, I had 20 friends come to the show. I'm like, if I had 20 friends, I wouldn't be doing stand-up. What's the matter with you? Uh, go hang out with your friends. Uh, that what a, what a wonderful life you have, <laughs> that you have. But if you got people who will show up and beat the fuck out of a guy, rip his pants, underwear, and shoes off, well, that that's a humiliation. That's, that's a, terrible. He, he, they took his manhood with that one. They took that too. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He's not going to feel confident and secure. After that situation. But you know what? I bet you what he doesn't do is rob strangers on the bus anymore. I mean, like, who on the bus has, like, the such nice clothes? I don't know. It's it, such a weird situation. Maybe the guy didn't want to, uh, maybe they just didn't want to fly. I didn't want to fly. I drove all the way to Indianapolis. Thank you, Crackers, for a great weekend. If I saw you there, got to see Brandon from Indy, who is uh, a fan. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he came out on Saturday. His lady didn't make it. I don't know what the deal was with that. But uh, he was there with uh, another couple of uh, great people. Anyway, whatever. Uh, it's uh, I drove all the way out there. It's a long way. Left around 9 a.m. And it's about 11 hours and, and a little to get there. First, the show is at 8. Driving the same day. I mean, it was one of those uh, yeah, that's a long westbound and down kind of deals, you know. Put the hammer down. I put the hammer down in my, uh, what was it called? A peruse? Or, no, venue. It was okay. A Hyundai venue. You ever See, seen that car? Yes. You needed a Porsche. You know Parker. what that looks like? Yeah, that's what I needed. Uh, maybe an orangutan. With an orangutan to, on top. To sort of inspire me to keep going. So the venue, you, you know what that looks like? It is an ugly car. I, I don't mean to call it ugly. It's just weirdly. It's not my kind of car. It was green. It was a kind of green that the only way I can describe this shade of green is, is that the whole effect of the car is it looked like something that a, that a black lady would wear to church. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, I you always got to consider what could be worse. You could be driving in a Yugo. 
I forgot to buy the, you know, the Yugos. You could be in a Yugo. Well, I, I, you can't even rent those anymore. This car was cheap. I, I'll give it that. It was cheap. A Queens man transported prostitutes to hundreds of clients in a small upstate New York village. He had hundreds of clients in a small upstate New York village. Yeah, that doesn't make it. This guy is a, he's good at sales. Or he had some good looking whores. Well, there's a lot of horny people living up there. Maybe there's not much to do. It gets kind of cold. We had a couple, by the way, a couple of stabbings about a block away from Kumia Studio there on yes. 35th. Yes. And this is in the middle of a fucking blizzard. You had six people shot during the blizzard. This is unusual. One of on 44th Street and 8th Avenue. Very unusual. Anything going on at the uh, the nicest corner in New York City, 35th and 8th? There's always something going on at 35th and 8th. <laughs> For always. the full New York experience. When you do visit here, by the way, get a hold of me if you do. Love to meet you. Uh, you know, if you're on the fucking level. Uh, go to the Junkie McDonald's. <sighs> uh, go to the Junkie McDonald's. You get your, you get uh, McStabbed. You might get shot. I'll tell you what, you know, about a year ago, we had about six or seven people OD within a couple of days right around that McDonald's. And, uh, OD as in OD dead. Oh, shit. You can't even use that stuff they use. Huh? Uh, pretty much all came out of that. Right off that corner there. Yeah, that corner sucks. I, I, I know 34th and 8th is coming down. I was hoping that it would take the McDonald's down with it. Um, you know, What do you mean it's coming down? They completely knocked down the whole corner of 34th Street and 8th Avenue. It's gone. Holy the shit. northeast corner is gone. To make way for the new Penn Station? I don't know what they're putting in there. Maybe they're just putting the bigger McDonald's in there. I don't know. They're going to have to do something because it. you know what it smells like in the they summer They never should have knocked the first one down. It was so beautiful. It was beautiful. It movie. was like Grand Central Station West. and But nicer. It yeah. was that beautiful. And what did they do? They built... It's not even good now. No. It's confusing. It's big. It's... it's uh, there's people... You wouldn't see so many people camping out and uh, wallowing in their own filth. I bet you. Yeah, but that corridor between 34th and up, actually past the Port Authority, the the, the transportation facilities they did, they become meccas, and uh, well, the streets are just it's disgusting sucks. through there too. There's a lot of K2 over there. These people are fried, smoking K2, and you can't even get yourself a Big Mac over at McDonald's without getting hassled. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You you just want to avoid everything on Eighth Avenue and Ninth Avenue from Thirty Fourth to about what Fiftieth? I'd say about Forty Sixth, yeah, Forty Fourth, Forty Sixth. I round up uh, this longtime driver for Queen for a Queen's prostitution ring, who was busted by the FBI Wednesday, had nearly four hundred clients listed on his phone. I, yeah, I thought that you use burners and shit like that. You know what I mean? What is this guy? You, I, I think it's got to be bigger than one, just one town. You know, unless it's a big town. Described it as a village, even. <laughs> all residents of one upstate, all were residents of one upstate New York village. These are all village people with a population of just 2,400. So we could do the math on that. Yeah, that's, like a that, of, that's a large percentage of these people that are buying sex. What did they give the name of the village? Yes, Brewster, which is in Putnam County. I guess they've always got quiet around Putnam County. 
about 50 miles well, northeast Bruce of New York Bruce City. It could be a little bit dicey. Oh, I see. Um, uh. <laughs> the guy's name is uh, Teodoro Rojas Lopez. He had 383 clients for John's living in Brewster. Wow, wow, wow. That is an incredibly high number. That really is. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if they... I mean, who knows? Maybe they took 380... Deals, deals, deals. <laughs> Refer a friend. Get, get one free. What was his name? Teodoro what? Rojas Lopez. He might have been that guy that uh, Cheech played in um, from Dustal Dawn. When the guy standing outside the titty twister bar. Uh-huh. He goes, we got pussy. We got black pussy, white pussy. Fat pussy. Any type of pussy you want, man. We Come got on. it. If you can find that at a better price. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> if you can find a better piece of pussy at a better price, you buy that pussy. I know, I just don't see. I mean, that is a lot of numbers just for one town. 383 out of a town of 2,400, a village of 2,400. Violent Brooklyn prosecutors, they said uh, Rojas Lopez was a driver and coordinator for a large-scale ring operating out of Queens that supplied Mexican and Latin American women, mostly to clients in Brewster. They served Mostly Brewster, which it says has a large Hispanic population. Hey, pussy you want, man? Come well, on. Maybe he's got the franchise um, for that area. I mean, exclusive ranks. Hey, look at it this way. Why the hell are you going to Brewster when I'm sure there's plenty of people out in Queens and Brooklyn and wherever else? You know, I'm sure there's an overriding issue going on here. Maybe he just likes the car time with the ladies. Well, could be, could be, but it could also be an issue. I, 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 I'm going to say that there's probably a superseding indictment that's going to come down with trafficking and uh, human trafficking. I'm sure that everybody involved in this is an illegal. This and, is going to be a felony type of thing and not just like a selling pussy kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think there'll be, you know, there'll be something a little bit more than... I Just mean, this guy being the taxi driver. How many fucking uh, whores do they have? That's a lot of whores. Yeah, that is. That is. That's a lot of clients for one small town. That's what I'm saying. 383 clients. You got to, I mean, wow. I don't know. That's going to be some tired ladies servicing all those people. And, and you know what? Look at the, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me looking at it. Look at the logistics involved in this. To go to from Queens to Brewster. Well, it's only says it's a bit of a hike. Uh, is it really? Yeah, it's a bit of a hike. It's over an hour at least. Oh, it, it, it says, uh, what, let me see what it says here. I thought it said. Uh, it says 50 miles, yeah, northeast of New York City. By the time you get out of the city, it could be anything. an hour, an hour and a half drive to bring some girl up there. People are like, well, how is 50 miles an hour and a half? It just is. It just yeah, is. Easy. <laughs> New York City, five miles can be an hour and a half. Yeah. But the point being, why? Although these days, you know, it's a little less, right? I mean, with uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, a little so less. Some illness that's going around. I don't know. But, but you're making a point. I'm sorry, Peter. No, no, but that's just my point. I mean, why not just base them out of there if you got so much action going on? Well, then, well, you got to keep an eye on them. You got to make sure that they are not just selling it on their own. You know what they open up a house of ill repute, a physical location. That's. I, mean, I don't, I don't know, know, man. Oh, that, that draws complaints. That's so 2011. Yeah, that draws complaints in the neighbors. But hauling ass from, I say that facetiously, but from Queens to... <laughs> he was literally hauling ass. <laughs> from Queens to Brewster. Uh, that's, that's a, a hike. That's, that's, a just a, that's just a logistical problem. 
Maybe you had family up there. I mean, if you're going to just from a business perspective. The gas you're talking about? Gas, tolls to bring these girls up there. You're going to be paying a premium, paying top dollar for this service. For these hookers? For these hookers. You know what they were paying? I don't know what they would do, but it's uh, usually $100 for a half hour. That's... It's still not a big profit margin. Yeah, <laughs> girls got to get hug cut. Mm-hmm. You got wear. I mean, I, I guess wear and tear on the vehicle, wear and tear, tear on the pussy, on the, on the vehicle, and you know, to me, that's just oil changes every five thousand miles. Yeah, well, it is. It's especially bad now. Bad business model. He worked for the ring for seven years. He had thousands of text messages with alleged clients on his phone. He didn't delete the texts. He did not. Now, that means all these Johns. Also means he's a moron. These Johns are all going to be on the hook. Seven years worth of texts. I mean, like, this people, they haven't bought pussy in fucking years. They're like, what? Well, Dude, I'm married now. Yeah, I have uh, moved on. Until that knock comes at the door and uh, J. Edgar Hoover is standing there saying, uh, remember that piece of ass that you ordered up back in 2016? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I do, I do, I do. Yeah. What about it? Well, it, it's part of a sex slave operation. Oh, shit, are you shit? <laughs> no, here's some of the text messages. Who are you bringing? Asked one of uh, Rose Lopez contacts uh, via text. This is from May 28th, 2020, according to the complaint. A big ass. Very nice. He responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, previously, that's the only one they showed so far. He was previously arrested in February 2018 with two women in the back of his car in Carmel, New York. And he admitted to cops he'd taken them to 12 separate appointments that day. I'm telling you, these are workers. Well, 12 appointments that day. He had two girls, 12 appointments. Well, then you make, you're talking some money. That's, that is a trafficking situation for sure. No, I don't think that a normal, uh, I don't know what hookers do. In terms of if they're on their own, you know what I mean? If there are any on their own, there are some, I guess. Yeah, there are. Like like left to her own devices, how much would a woman fuck in a day for money? You know? But this guy is like, no, we have appointments. I own you. This is the deal. You're my which property. Leads, which leads into the whole situation of human trafficking. Exactly. human, Which, which I think is going to be a superseding issue here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean by superseding? It's the well, main charge. It'll be the main charge because they, they, I'm sure these guys are just grabbing these girls. They're illegals, and these guys are just abusing them to the max. Yeah. Well, I mean, 12 separate appointments that day. Ooh, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, after serving less than a year in jail for that, <laughs> he began working as a driver for the ring, uh, which was under investigation. It was already under investigation of the FBI. The Fed surveilled him for months in spring. Yeah, last year. They saw him in Brewster on numerous occasions, dropping off and later picking up unidentified women from the homes of alleged customers, satisfied alleged customers. Uh, Rowens was charged with using a cell phone to promote prostitution. Hmm. Uh, no, what, what, what's he supposed to do, smoke signals? This is where you, get, you can get yourself into some serious trouble on, on top of trafficking, but you utilizing electronic communication devices. I'm sure they're using the internet. Um, you, these, if you ever cross state lines, that makes it worse, right? Well, if he takes a detour through Jersey, yeah, that's a whole other issue. I mean, technically, they could bury this guy. Well, I, he's the only one who's been arrested so far, which leads me to believe he might just be able to come up with some kind of deal. Well, he's going to have to, because if they decide they're going to bury him, 
they will bury him. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, it's, yeah, there's plenty, right? There's plenty there. And then they'll hit you with an income tax bill on top of it, you know. Income tax. Oh, right. They can tax that shit. Sure can. They can tax income on whores? Sure can. Same really? Way they can tax it on unlawful gambling. What rate do they tax that at, do you think? By the time they get done with the tax and penalties, you may be thinking that you might want to jump in the East River. You might be thinking like, hey, this is a... Not the best business model. Maybe we should have just set up shop. And, and you Brewster. know what's even worse than the feds taxing you is New York State. Oh my God! You know, I know people have gotten into tax troubles. You can make a deal with the feds. Yeah, New York State will take your last ounce of blood out of your body. Well, that's good. Um, that's not. That's good. well. They're, they're they're taking the last ounce of blood out of legitimate taxpayers. So you can imagine what they do to somebody with ill-gotten proceeds of a crime. Yeah, they they probably have even less sympathy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, the thing about prostitution now, and I see that they're talking about going to this model, the city council or somebody, where they just charge the Johns, and they don't charge the ladies ever for prostitution. It's always presumed to be sex trafficking. Some kind of model where that will yeah, be legal. It's going to have some legal hurdles with it, I think. Well, I hope it doesn't pass, because you get women like organizing and you know. They already monopolized the pussy. They just are not like <laughs> they're sitting on all of it, uh, just like the Arabs. They're like OPEC. They, they there you go. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous precedent to set. That's why I love having you on, Pete, because yes. you haven't heard every dumb joke I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you bring, you bring up an interesting point. Yeah, it could be trouble. Uh, good to have you back, and uh, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Glad to be here, Pat. Always a pleasure. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over? Find out how to get extra content and bonus material from this and other shows. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. Check it out. Support New York City Crime Report. Go to patreon.com slash NYC. It'll cover up the smell of your dead mother, Agnes.